0: Hello everyone, thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Yield Mastermind Talks Podcast. Come on. Come on. With your host, Philip Randazzo. dashing <coughs> through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. Oh. Excuse me, guys, I'm just over here jamming out to Christmas music because it's just about that time of year. But in all seriousness, thank you guys so much for joining me. My name is Philip Randazzo. I'm the host of the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast, and today I am very, very excited about our very, very special guest. He's a dear friend of mine. You guys are going to learn a whole lot about spirituality, about meditation, about exercising, about overcoming adversity. And this is my friend, Jared Olson. And for those of you who don't know Jared, which is probably going to be a lot of you, he is a gentleman who has overcome a ton. And when I say a ton, I mean a ton of adversity in his life. This is a guy who got injured many, many times throughout his middle school, high school, and college career in sports. He blew out his knee first, then he blew out his shoulder playing football in high school. He got, get this guys, he got struck by lightning while attending his mission in Mexico. Yes, you heard that right. He was actually struck by lightning. He is a he is a, a Mormon, he's of the Mormon faith, you know, Church of the Latter-day Saints. He was serving his mission and the dude literally got struck by lightning. Blew out his back. I mean, when you talk about adversity, this guy has been through it all. And this is someone I've been friends with with Jared since I was in kindergarten. He's a great friend of mine. I just recently was part of his uh, his groomsman party for his wedding. He just got married. So congrats to, to you and, and Sarah. Uh, but this guy has been through it all. He has given me... A ton of insight into meditation. He's someone who's meditated for quite so many years now. He's a, I, I mean, no one who's really actually good at meditation will call themselves a pro, but I will go ahead and say that Jared is very well versed in meditation. The dude is an exercise fanatic. Um, This was the dude, I mean, everybody has one of those guys that they knew in middle school who was like way too buff to be in middle school. Like Jared looked like he was probably 16, 17, maybe even 18 years old when he was like 13. I mean, the dude was like six foot, 200 pounds, just ripped. And so this is a a guy that I learned a whole lot about exercise from, and to go from being an exercise nut, he played basketball, he played football, he was he literally could have gone and played Division one football had he not blew out his knee and blew out his shoulder. But this is a guy who's been through the ringer. Came back and is now. He does rock climbing, he's an avid, avid adventure person, he's active, he didn't let any of those obstacles stand in his way. And I can't wait to dive in and ask Jared some deep questions about how he overcomes these obstacles. And I almost forgot to mention that Jared is a part of the Yield Mastermind group founding team. He's on the team for the Yield Mastermind group. He is behind a lot of the stuff that helps push this group forward. He is the brains behind our newly being developed Yield Five Pillars, which is going to propel a lot of people in our group to further success because it structures the stuff that we're learning and the stuff that we're implementing in such a way that it's so much more accessible to people. Jared is a guy who brings a lot to our group. He's a guy that people learn a whole lot from, and he is someone that you guys are all going to learn a whole lot from. So without further ado, thank you guys for joining me. And here is my interview with Mr. Jared Olson. All right. Thank you guys for joining us today. My name is Philip Randazzo. I'm your host of the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. And I am here today with a very special guest, my very close friend and someone that you guys are going to learn a whole lot from. That's Mr. Jared Olson. Jared, how's it going, my man?
1: Going great. How's it going, Phil?
0: It's it's going good. I'm glad we got you on the show. Yeah,
1: me too. I'm excited.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, um Jared, most of the people that are listening probably don't know a whole lot about you, and because I've known you since we were in kindergarten, I have some insider information. I you know, I know kind of the things that you've been through and um, you know, like the obstacles that you face regarding all the injuries that you've had um, you know, from your your knee blowout in middle school to your high school uh shoulder blowout to, you know, totally screwing up your back while you were on your mission in mexico um i would love it if you could just kind of give us a little bit of a background story of your life just kind of hit on the bullet points of you know what you've been through uh in your life up until now
1: okay um so yeah i grew up in las vegas and through middle school high school i had a lot of great friends had a great family um did a lot of sports which is where a lot of the injuries came from um after high school, I went to BYU. Right now, I'm in my senior year. I'm graduating in economics. Uh, after my freshman year of college, I went on a mission to Oaxaca, Mexico, which is actually the poorest state of Mexico. Huh. Um, I got married uh, this past summer, and uh, after I graduate this April, I'm moving out to San Francisco for work. And that brings me up to now.
0: <laughs> that's incredible, man. That's that's a uh... That's just going to be another journey, uh, you know, on your on your like another notch on your belt as far as journeys that you've had. Um, So I I just wanted to ask you, Jared. So, you know, you have always been someone who's been physically fit. And like when I say physically fit, I mean, you were like a freaking beast in, in middle school and high school when no one else had any muscle tone. And so for someone like you who was that active and that fit to go through some of these these injuries that can really, really major setbacks i mean most people may not have bounced back from having you know all these injuries like you did what you know if you could kind of just explain the injuries that you went through you know your knee injury your shoulder injury and then the injury that you had uh while you were on your mission and kind of what you did like the mindset that you had to you know make you able to bounce back the way you did
1: okay yeah um so my first i've torn my mcl like six times (laughs) um yeah, so the first one was in middle school basketball, just came down funny, and it, it tore a little bit. Sorry, my uh, my headphones fell out. <laughs> it's all good, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, so um, after that, you know, after um, I had surgery and stuff, it's more likely to get torn again, and so I actually tore it in football, and... Uh, The MCL is kind of different. We're actually heals on its own sometimes. So Mm -hmm. we let it go a few times, but then it's kind of stretched out and more likely to tear. Um, So I had one other bad tear on my knee and I had to get surgery with that. And it was actually a season ending uh, surgery, which was really bad.
0: And what Um, year was that?
1: That was my junior year
0: and see and that that's difficult because you know for for those of us that or for those of you guys that are listening that's like the prime recruiting year for high school sports
1: yeah exactly and it kind of sucks because in high school sports kind of becomes your identity yep and so once you get injured you kind of have a identity crisis and I definitely was going through that and then senior year um, I was I started both ways actually so I'd started Offense, defense, and all special teams, so I never came out of the game unless it was a timeout or end of the quarter. And, you know, we we went to state my junior year, and we were a contender my senior year. But uh, the last game of the season, I was on a kickoff, and I was flying, and I was going to hit this guy so hard. And I hit him with my shoulder in his jaw, and it just dropped him. We got the fumble recovery and all that but uh my shoulder actually went out through the back and i tore my posterior labrum and so after that i went to the doctor and he's like well you're gonna have to get surgery either way and i said if i keep playing will it damage worse and he said probably not but it's gonna hurt really really bad and so the next four (laughs) games yeah the next four games i played with a torn shoulder so every time i uh pushed or hit someone, my shoulder would dislocate out the back, and then I'd have to pull it up. And I Good remember Lord. painting my face black so you couldn't see me crying. Oh my goodness. They were very painful games. Wow.
0: So now going through that, I want to, we'll touch on your, you know, your back injury during your mission in a minute here, but like you, going through that, that type of, you know, that, that, you know, big of an obstacle. Like, what do you do? Like, and, and I want to go back to when you said, you know, sports becomes your identity in high school. I totally agree with you. I had the same thing. And um, you know, what, so when you go through this identity crisis, you know, what do you do to keep yourself focused, motivated, Um, and just you know, so you don't have a total breakdown of character?
1: Um, honestly, I probably would say I did have a total breakdown of character for a while. Like, I was pretty hurt like ego wise because from like a week prior you're the big man on campus girls like to you because you're the football player and you know teachers like you. and then after you get injured you're kind of a nobody all of a sudden and so after that I kind of just focused on schooling because I was like I, I really felt like a nobody and I was kind of searching for a way where I could figure out who I was. Um, so I, yeah, I started focusing on school. I started prepping. I decided to go on a mission. So I started prepping for a mission. Um, I, I basically just changed my goals and reevaluated myself and then went off of that.
0: Awesome. And so what, what did you learn about yourself in kind of having this reevaluation process? You know, did you, because you were involved in sports all the way up until that point and Then, like you mentioned, you had that identity crisis, you know, so what, what new things did you learn about yourself through that, you know, journey?
1: Um, some new things I learned was that I had more to offer than just sports. Honestly, in high school, I don't think I handled the situation very well. It definitely was a learning experience and I improved. I think the biggest learning situation, like comeback was, um, from my mission, that was probably where I learned the most and where I identified with myself the most.
0: Okay, cool. And so um, I want to hop to that real quick and then we'll get back to the actual mission itself. But so what in, in that mission process, what were your biggest takeaways?
1: The overall, um, so the trial when I came back physically, or are you talking about just as a whole?
0: Uh, Yeah, like both. So, you know, when you come back, what what do you learn about yourself? And then as you're on, I mean, you can explain a little bit to the audience what exactly a mission entails and then kind of what you learn about yourself through that process. Because, you know, you're a big white dude in the middle of a, a, a state of Mexico that's, I think it's known for being like the shortest average height uh, yeah. in Mexico. Yeah, they're yeah.
1: the shortest Mexicans.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, so like, you know, what is that process like for you to be to be totally separated from everyone and everything that you know, and to be this this total outsider, you know, in, in a foreign land? I'd like to I'd like to hear about that. And then, you know, the process of coming back.
1: Okay, so um for the listeners, I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You've probably seen some guys with the uh, ties and name tags around before I was doing that down in Mexico. Um, so I was in Oaxaca, which is actually the poorest state of Mexico, which I think I mentioned a little bit earlier. And as you mentioned, they are also the shortest people, and I'm six, two, six three 6'3. And so <laughs> I, I stood out pretty, pretty bad. But um, while I was there, I learned a lot, you know, a lot spiritually, um, teaching the people, helping the people identifying their needs. Uh, many different areas, the people I was teaching, they had like five people in their family working 16 hour days and making a total of $4 a day. Wow. And so a lot of them were starving and it was really bad. Um, but we tried to help them as much as possible with like simple financial goals, with spiritual goals, things like that. And most of these people never went to school and they didn't know how to read. So they didn't know these simple financial goals of how to even create a savings account or how to save for tomorrow. Um, So we we did a lot of that. Another thing I learned, um, if if you aren't familiar with it, you're with a companion 24-7. And it's a random person, basically. And I was with several different Americans, several different... Um, people from Honduras, Mexico, and Peru, and uh, each person's very, very different. And uh, as you can imagine, some are great, and some are a little bit more challenging because you're with them twenty-four-seven.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, you know, you just got to learn how to see the good in people and like compliment them on that, and figure out a way to work work um, the relationship out. So, yeah, I was just. That helped me the most as far as like people skills go and how to um, read people, how to you know bond with people, things like that. Um, as far as the uh, coming home, so I actually came home a little bit early. The mission is usually two years long, and I came home after 14 months uh, because when I was nine months into it, I was on the coast of Watuco. It's this. Pretty cool, like beautiful beach town. Um, it's not very touristy. I guess you'd say it hasn't really been discovered by resorts or American tourists yet. So gotcha. it, it was really nice. Um, we got hit by a category three hurricane. Jeez. And yeah, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal if it hit us up here because, you know, we could stay in our houses or houses were built are built for those kind of things. But down there, there's no building codes. And a lot of the houses are made with tin roofs and they're made out of mud. So a hurricane just knocks it down completely. Um, so we we knew the hurricane was coming. We set up our food supply for three days, things like that. But then we saw um, people in the street that their houses were getting torn up, like babies crying in their mother's arms, you know, flooded <laughs> streets. Sounds like a it, scene it was- from
0: a horror movie. Yeah, Like apocalypse now type of stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was pretty pretty crazy. Um, So we went out to go help people. And while I was walking in the street coming back from helping someone, my companion was up on uh, this bank. And I hopped into the flooded street to cross to get to our house. And right then, lightning hit about 20 meters behind me. And it went up through the water and up through my left leg and into my back. And then it actually um, damaged my L5 S1 discs pretty heavily. And this wow. led to some uh, nerve damage um, in my legs. Well, I guess the nerve damage was in my back, but I definitely felt it in my legs. And I you know, stopped, there's a ton of pain, of course, couldn't really feel my legs anymore. And eventually they sent me home after 14 months.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I I would expect for definitely... you to get sent home after something like that. Yeah. Good lord. Well So so first of all, I want to talk about, you know, you being with the companion 24/7. Um what are some of the biggest things uh like some of the biggest takeaways that you took from that situation as far as, you know, like dealing with conflict resolution with people because I know I think a lot of the problem with people in our day and age is that they're so separated from other human contact. You know, we're hiding behind our cell phones and computers on social media. Uh, There's not as much, you know, human to human correspondence as there used to be. And so for you to be stuck with somebody that you don't know, and, you know, like you said, sometimes it was someone you liked. Sometimes it was someone who might have been a little more difficult to deal with. You know, what do you learn about conflict resolution and dealing with other human beings in that process?
1: Um, I learned quite a few different things. If you're in a first, if you're in a relationship, it's important to discuss the things that come up. Maybe something's bothering me. Maybe you do this when you eat and I, you know, absolutely drives me crazy, but it's not that big (laughs) of a deal for you to fix. And so just kind of identifying the pro, you know, the different things that we do that bother each other and then identifying which if it's more important to one person, then maybe we should fix it that way. Um, on the same note, uh, that whole process of bringing up those kind of things is very different between people. You can't just, you know, be blunt with one yeah. person who likes to be blunt, be blunt with a uh, sensitive person, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: a lot of it's just like reading the other person, um, a lot of conflict, uh, resolution that I did. So say my companion did something that I didn't agree with or didn't like, or it bothered me, I would try to identify myself in my companion. And I would think like, oh, if I were in his shoes, if I were in this situation, I would be acting the same way, you know, like, maybe he's taking too long to eat. You know, I've been in times when I just want to take a little longer to eat. So that really helped me be okay with different things.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I mean, you know, that you know, you make it sound so simple to like, oh, all you got to do is, you know, find yourself and the other person. Well, that is something that, I mean, literally all of humanity struggles with. And so, you know, the fact that you learned that in that process, I think is priceless information. And for everyone listening, you know, that's something that I agree with you, Jared, if you can learn that aspect alone, I think conflict resolution becomes so much easier because, like you said, it's, you know, you have your one viewpoint and the other person has their viewpoint and it's very tough for you to see what they're seeing. So if you can put yourself in their shoes, it makes it that much easier. I think that's incredible advice. Um, and so, you know, I want to talk about the rehab process now of, you know, so you have this, you get basically struck by lightning. You have this, I, I, it has to be a grueling rehab process. and, you know, yet I'm still seeing pictures of you rock climbing and being doing things that are totally active. So like, what is your mindset? I mean, you have to be, you know, feeling down on your luck when this happens. I mean, I I've never had a major back injury, so I can only imagine how that can affect a person. So, you know, what are your thoughts when this first happens? And then how do you bring yourself back to where you are now? Um, you know, as active as you are.
1: Yeah. Um, so after it first happened in Mexico, I actually went through Mexican hospitals for five months. And like I said earlier, they don't have a very high education level. So a lot of the therapy that I went through was pretty, would be pretty questionable to American standards. They actually put me through shock therapy <laughs> on my legs, which wow. is interesting enough, but um, Eventually, the it got too bad, and they sent my MRI back to the states, and they flew me home in a wheelchair. And Jeez. yeah, that was a pretty humbling experience because you know I identified with sports my entire life, and now they're saying you probably won't be able to do, you know, the stuff you used to love. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, it's kind of a different injury having a back injury because a lot of other injuries, it's like, you know, if you work hard enough like you'll be good and like you could if you break a bone it becomes stronger when it reheals things like that um it's not the same with back injuries so with back injuries you gotta absolutely protect them um it's not like i could just you know like positive think myself into having you know regenerating nerves and things like that um yeah so i came back in a wheelchair my legs were completely numb that being said i could still walk with a lot of pain um i was so i got back and i was super depressed i actually lost 30 pounds in two weeks because wow. i couldn't eat yeah Jeez. It was a very extreme identity crisis um so after a while i went to all these different doctors in the u.s they all said everything that they told you in mexico You want to do the exact opposite of that. Oh, my goodness. That was further damaging your back.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah. And so I I loved playing basketball growing up and football. And I realized that I couldn't play basketball anymore because every time I jumped, my legs would go numb for a few days, actually. And it was a lot of pain. Um, So I actually never rock climbed before my mission. And I got into it after because it was a lot of low impact like when you fall the rope is elastic and it doesn't hurt you as bad and a lot of it you know it just doesn't hurt my back as much yeah and so that's really how I got into it into rock climbing um I've just been working out with that my workouts have changed a lot I can't you know do squats or things like that but I have to switch to like leg press um, things that keep my back very stable. Um, yeah, things like that. I, I think the biggest problem coming home early from a mission is I felt kind of broken and rejected. You know, oh. like I was working so hard and, you know, this crap happened to me and now I'm back. Um, what did I do wrong kind of thing? Yeah. And it it really knocked me like on my butt emotionally. And that that took me a while to recover from it took me over a year, actually, to kind of figure out what I want to do with my life, um, figure out my self identity, my self worth. Um, A lot of that was through different mindfulness meditations. A lot of it was through religion. Uh, A lot of it was practicing different things academically. And now like, I, I feel Although my legs aren't completely back to where they used to be, I do have most of my feeling um, in both of my legs. And I can run um, on, like, grass surfaces, things like that. I just kind of have to watch it, you know?
0: Yeah, but, I mean, to, to go from you know, not being like jumping in your legs, being numb for days, not even being able to feel your legs and walking with major pain to being able to run on any sort of surface. I mean, that's just an incredible comeback story, Jared. And I I really thank you for sharing that. I know the audience thanks you as well. You know, it's, To have an identity crisis, you know, in high school sports, you know, that's something we think is a big deal, which actually we look back later on in life and realize it wasn't that big of a deal. But this type of an identity crisis, like you said, you come back, you feel rejected from your church because you didn't finish your mission, even though no one is holding that against you because you had this terrible injury. I mean, but then, then again, you also have to rehab that injury. I mean, that's something that I don't think many people come back from you know to the level that you've come back from and so you know I commend you for that that's incredible and you touched on mindfulness meditation that's something I want to talk to you about because I know you've been doing that for quite some time so you know if you wouldn't mind if if someone in the audience ha- doesn't really have a background with mindfulness meditation if you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing what that is and what that process looks like for you
1: okay yeah so um my i guess perception and idea of meditation actually changed a lot from when I first heard it I When you first hear about meditation, you think it's like, you know, this Asian practice where you sit on the floor with a bunch of incense, you know, things like that. And I realized that it's, although that is a way to do it, it's not the way to do it. Um, You just kind of have to tailor it to yourself. Uh, Mindfulness meditation. So I actually do it in a chair. I don't do it on the floor because that's best for my back and things like that. Um, Basically the whole idea behind it is, being aware of everything around you and of yourself so for example you think just like going through the day and just being aware of your thoughts like there's a ton of thoughts that come and go through your mind throughout the day there's like thousands and thousands of of thoughts and when you think about your body there's so many different things going on in your body you know like there's I mean, your heart's beating, your lungs are breathing, your cells are regenerating and dying and things like that. Things that we kind of just take for granted or like we don't even give permission to, you know, that it just happens. Um, Mindfulness meditation is more taking a step back and just observing and being aware of these things. So you could observe your breath, uh, certain areas of your body, like um, body scans, um, there's a practice where you just want to, like, look at all the thoughts that come to your mind. Uh, a lot of people think, like, if you have a bad thought, you need to push it out of your mind. And for me, at least, this, you know, the the thoughts tend to push back and get stronger when I push against them. Yeah. Um, with mindfulness meditation, a bad thought comes up and I just observe it as a thought. And then it eventually just kind of drifts off, you know and yeah. it, it really takes the sting out of you know negative self-talk and and things like that that's been my uh biggest experience with mindfulness meditation
0: yeah that's awesome you just you basically just observe it as a thought it's just you objectively look at it as okay i'm just having a thought whether it's good or bad and it is what it is and then it kind of goes on its way i totally agree with you i'm not i'm not a, a you know a, a I don't have a normal practice that I do. It's kind of irregular, but that's one of the things that I noticed that I had that had an immediate impact on me was, you know, just objectively viewing my thoughts. And, you know, like you like you hit on, I was the person that tried to push away the bad thoughts because I thought, okay, those thoughts are bad. Can't have them push them away. But like you said, they just come back stronger. And that was really frustrating to me. And so, after hearing this, and I actually I heard about mindfulness meditation from you during one of our Yield Mastermind group meetings, and it got me really interested in it. And like you mentioned, you know, my idea of meditation was being a Buddhist or a Hindu or something, and you have the incense, and there's this super old guy that's you know looks super skinny because he's an ascetic, you know, and and that was my vision of what it was. And it's totally not that. It's basically whatever you want it to be. Um, Mm -hmm. so, which is, which is incredible that you found that, because I think that's something that probably played a huge part in your coming back from, you know, feeling so depressed about the situation that you were in.
1: Yeah, it it definitely helped a ton. Um, I I was having a lot of negative self talk, basically, like those feelings of rejection, it taught me how to realize them as, or look at them just as like feelings that come up just because we're human. And as you just like observe it and observe, okay, I'm, my brain's having a thought of rejection right now. How is my brain reacting? Oh, it wants to push back. And that's instead of like just pushing back, you know, you're observing what yeah. you want to do. And it really just changes the, you know, the speed of it and the, I guess the strength of it. It really helped me a lot.
0: That's great information, especially in an, in a time in a day and age where speeding things up seems to be what everyone's pushing for, which, doesn't make sense to me because when I'm sped up, I feel out of control and, you know, anxious and all these things that don't really seem to be beneficial. But for some reason, we want to try and speed things up even more and even more. And, uh, you know, I think this is something that a lot of people can utilize. So, um, you know, do you have uh, some resources or tools with meditation that you could share with the listeners? Like if they've never heard of meditation or if they're very, very beginner, Where can they learn more about mindful meditation? Are there any books that you've read, podcasts, YouTube videos, whatever it might be?
1: Yeah, so the way I came across it was through Headspace, and they have this Take 10 series, which is basically a trial um, before the actual, I guess, product that they sell. But the Take 10 series actually helped me the most. There's also a book that I read called uh, The Joy of Living, and I don't have the author um, I'll I'll and, link to
0: that. I'll link to that in the show notes. And I read that book after you you gave that to me. It was an incredible book.
1: Yeah, that that book helped me the most, honestly. Um I would probably recommend if you have zero experience looking up the Headspace Take 10 series, do that for 10 days. And if it's working for you, then I'd definitely read that book.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Awesome. So And now you said that another thing that kind of helped you through this, this period of crisis and obstacle was spirituality and religion. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you just touch on how that helped you? Like what, what were your thoughts about it, you know, prior to, because, you know, being Mormon and being on your mission, you're obviously surrounded by it a ton. Um, You know, how, like, how did you use that to help push you forward from this, this low point that you were in?
1: All right. So um, actually coming home from my mission, I was very, very against, I wasn't against the religion, but, you know, I I was just burnt out of everything for a while. So I kind of, I didn't stop practicing it, but I stopped like being active in it for a period of time. Um, After that, I started getting back into it and that really helped me a lot. So I really went with it um, full force again. Um, the things that help me the most with my religion is one I help people and that gives me a sense of self-worth. Uh, two is just my like inner self-worth, you know um, I believe in you know Jesus Christ and how he loves us, things like that. and that really helped me think like instead of thinking, oh I'm broken, I have all these different things like no, I'm okay, you know this is like I was created for this reason, or just for this reason, you know, I was created to be who I am today. And, you know, I'm gonna work as hard as I can. The past is the past, let that be, you know, but like I could control my present and my future. And that really helped me the most.
0: Yeah, I think that's incredible, incredible advice. And I kinda had a similar period in my life where, you know, I was brought up under the Christian religion, which is which is also what the Mormon religion is, is under. It's under that Christian umbrella, And I think just not, I didn't really take it on as my own for such a long period of time, because that's how I was brought up. And so I was just burnt out on it. And I was looking at, you know, Buddhism and and all these other religions that value people at such a high level. And then I very recently come back to Christianity. And I realized that that it's all, it's all intertwined into the religion, I just needed fresh eyes on it. And so I think, you know, I think that might've been something else that helped you, you know, you, you had been brought up with it and then, you know, you, you hit this period where you had this crisis and then you took on this fresh view of it and it, it totally changed for you.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Great. Great. So now I want to talk to you about, um, you know, reading? I know that you do or that you used to at least do a a lot of reading. Um, Are there any books that you've read recently uh, that you would like to recommend to the audience as far as and then also, you know, what what does reading bring to you?
1: So first, I'll answer what reading brings to me. Um, I look at reading as uh, basically a view into another person's life. So say, this person's life work or even their biography, things like that. They condensed it all down into one book, you know, and I could spend, you know, how many hours, like 10 hours reading that book. And I get pretty much all the highlights of their life and maybe all the experience, all the thoughts that they have. I could, you know, pick and choose from their experiences without having to go through it. And, you know, like a lot of these experiences come from suffering. So I could learn from these people without actually going through the suffering, which I, I find really helpful for me. Um, the main book I'm reading right now is called The How of Happiness. And it's by Sonia Liam Bursky. It's a hard last name, but <laughs> yeah, Liam Bursky. But The How of Happiness, um, she, she's a psychologist and basically goes over how we can be happy and the strategies of that. And it's not really what you'd call like an average self-help book um a lot of it's based on research that she's performed um she's a phd so she's done a lot of research and um there's a section on like goals and specifically not just like how to achieve your goals but how to set your goals to achieve the most amount of happiness um from your goals just like how to word it differently there's some pretty simple tips um i mean there's tons of different sections like gratitude Um, interconnectedness, things like that.
0: That's awesome that you found that. And, um, so real quick, my last question for you, before we get into the rapid fire portion of the show, um, you are newly married. So Sarah, hello. Uh, thank you guys for having me at your wedding, but you know, before the show, we kind of talked about, you know, and, and you being on your mission, you learn a lot about conflict resolution and relationships. So what are the, what are some of the newest things that you're learning about yourself um, after being married and, you know, having someone, um, you know, a life partner with you?
1: Um, yeah. So marriage has been great. I highly recommend it. Um, you know, being married to Sarah has been great. She's taught me a lot about myself. Um, basic, I would say the most important thing that she's taught me is she encourages me whenever I get discouraged, like, For example, when I was during, recently I was in recruiting season and half the time I was like, oh, there's no way I could get that job. So I'm not going to apply. And she was like, no, you could do it. You could totally do it. And then I actually got one of the jobs that I said I wasn't going to get. And so, you know, she's helped me so much with that. It's really cool to have someone that you could trust in like completely. And also someone that's like completely on your side, you know? Um, someone you could go to no matter what and just say like, I'm struggling with this or like, this is how my day went. And, you know, they, they help you through it. You help them through it. Like things like that. It's, it's, uh, taught me a lot about teamwork and, you know, I, I've
0: loved it. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. I know that that's going to help a lot of people, um, just to realize, you know, uh, we're in a day and age where, you know the, the, the tenders of the world are making, are making the dating world just so ridiculous in my opinion. And so I think people need to hear that there is benefits to actually having an invested relationship with one person. That's going to bring you, you know, great amount of joy that you can confide in that person in such a way that you can share everything. And then ultimately, you know, she's lifting you up to, to make you a better person and you're doing the same for her. So that's great advice. Thank you, Jared. Um so now we have reached the rapid fire portion of the show. So Jared, are you ready for the questions?
1: I'm ready. Let's go for it.
0: Awesome. So first question is what one book do you gift the most or would you recommend the most to people?
1: Um, probably the one book that I've given the most, including the mission, would definitely be the Book of Mormon. Um, because that's you know the main part of your mission. Um Another book that I give on a regular basis is How to Win Friends and Influence People. And, you know, both those books have helped me tremendous tremendously in my life and figuring out how I want to be and how I want to deal with people.
0: Yeah, that's if you can figure out those two things, you're you're gonna be okay. That's that's for darn yeah. sure. Awesome. So Jared, what one podcast or, you know, YouTube channel or what one resource would you recommend to people besides this uh, Yield Mastermind Talks podcast?
1: The one that I really, really love, and it's not a very popular one. It's called Porn Free Radio with Matt Dauschwitz. And there's, you know, we're plagued by an epidemic of pornography in this day, and it's really affecting guys and it's affecting the brains. And you could like really uh, look into all the facts of how it literally rewires your brain. And, um, he goes through, you know, how to overcome these sorts of addictions and, um, how to help others overcome addictions, things like that. And, um, they have like all sorts of testimonies of people, like testimonials of people who have, um, had extreme addictions and have overcome them. And then they talk about the relationships before and after they overcame pornography um, and also have a, you know, just a confidence level, things like that. And I, it's not a very popular uh, I guess, topic. Like most people it's just not something that's talked about that much yeah. because it's kind of a private addiction. And I, I think the last study I read said like 90 to 95% of guys like are addicted today And, like, the first people are addicted at, like, age 11 now.
0: Good Lord. Um,
1: And so our brains just aren't, I guess, evolved enough for this level of availability of information. Yeah. And, like, honestly, going through this podcast and going through these sorts of programs has really helped me. And I would highly recommend
0: it. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, whether you want to admit you have a porn addiction or not, you know, the listeners, like... This is valuable information you can you can learn to help others and to overcome whatever addictions you might have in your life. I mean, think about how addicted people are nowadays to their cell phones or to Wi-Fi. I mean, could you imagine if if you. Took Wi-Fi away from a you know a ten-year-old, thirteen-year-old kid right now, if they didn't even know what Wi-Fi was, like life would be one hundred percent different. You know, we just have such an access to things nowadays that you know was even twenty, thirty years ago was never you know given access to. It's just crazy. So thank you for sharing that resource. That's something I'm going to check out myself. So, Jared, what uh, if you had to pick one part of your daily routine? that you're doing right now to do for the rest of your life, if you couldn't do any other parts of your routine, what would that one part be and why?
1: The most important part of my routine is probably my sleep schedule. Um, I try to go go to bed early and wake up early. Um, usually I go to bed at like 11, wake up at 7 a.m. And I've, I don't know how it happens, but I get like so much more done in the morning in the same amount of hours. I swear there's more hours in the morning. I don't know how to explain it. And I'm not what you would call like a morning person. It's just something I've had to to develop. And probably the biggest thing that's helped me develop that is just refusing to hit the snooze button, just like hopping out of bed first time and not even like giving myself a chance to have that internal debate of whether I should get up or not, yeah.
0: That's the biggest thing. That is super valuable information. That that's something that I've done recently and it it has changed things and there you know there there's a lot of research now on this thing called peak time and and everybody has their peak time in the day and I would venture to say that your peak time happens to come in the morning because you do feel like there's so much more time in the morning to get stuff done. You're probably way more productive. That's when I feel that my peak time is as well. Um, so everybody out there, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to an article on peak time and, you know, some ways to help you find out what your peak time is. There's actually a thing called the, the tap test or the tap method. I can't remember exactly what it is, but, um, and I'm not even going to explain it cause I'm going to butcher it, but basically you tap your finger for a certain period of time at different times throughout the day and, when, and, and when you can tap your finger like the maximum amount of times in that you know set given time period that 's when your peak time is it 's a very interesting study i 'll link to it in the show notes, but that 's something that that everybody should check out all right Jared uh, if you had to bring now because you are a part of the Yield Mastermind group team and I've, you know, we haven't really talked much about that in this in this interview and you are you are helping us out immensely with a lot of things that we're we're looking to do to bring on new members and grow this thing the way that we want to grow it. Um so if you had to bring on another person into the Yield Mastermind group business and that person had to be a professional athlete, who would it be and why?
1: Um I would bring on LeBron. LeBron LeBron's- yeah, if you saw that movie, uh, did you see that movie Trainwreck? Yes. <laughs> did you see LeBron in that? He it's he was hilarious. hilarious. And yeah. I really like his family values too. He talks a lot about his family, and you know he travels with his family a lot of the time. Um, being as you know big of a superstar he is, he uh, I think he's relatively humble for how big of a superstar he is. It, you know, like. If I were that big, I wouldn't be as humble as he is, and I, I would bring him into it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would love for him to be a part of it. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I totally agree. Uh, for someone who is as big a superstar as he is, he has stayed out of the media as far as negative stuff, like for his entire career, which is incredible. And congratulations to LeBron James because he actually just just in the past couple of days signed a lifetime deal with Nike. He's the first athlete to ever sign a lifetime deal with Nike, which is pretty, pretty amazing. So congratulations, LeBron, if you ever hear this, uh, congratulations. <laughs> and so Jared, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for, for sharing your time with us, for sharing your insights, for sharing your information regarding, you know, overcoming obstacles, meditation, spirituality, relationships. It has been sage advice. I've learned so much about all those things and more about you that I didn't know. And, and I, I, assume that I knew a lot about you, but thank you for sharing. Where can people find out more about you and what you're doing?
1: Um, gotta be my LinkedIn page. So you just look up Jared Olson. You could see what I'm doing now. You know, I'm going to be ending up in San Francisco working. So you could see what I'm doing out there.
0: That's awesome. Congratulations again. So Jared, we end the show with a quote. What is your favorite quote that you'd like to share with our audience?
1: Uh, My favorite quote is by Ralph Waldo Emerson, and he says, every man that I meet is my superior in at least one way. And in that i learn of him. So it's really changed the way I look at people. Instead of, you know, just looking at a person as just a random guy, I could say, this guy's better at me in at least one way. Let me identify it and either like compliment him on it and or try to learn from it. So like, If I come in contact with, like, let's say a five year old kid, instead of just like blowing it off, I could, you know, try to figure out what that one thing is. I mean, it still holds for him. He might be like super stoked about a basketball that he just got from the store or something like that. And I could learn, I need to be more appreciative of, you know, things that I have, things like that.
0: That is sage advice to end the show with. Jared, thank you so much. And for those of you listeners who want to find out more information about the Yield Mastermind group, please visit uh, YieldMastermind.com. You can find us on Twitter at Yield Mastermind. We're on Facebook. We have a YouTube channel, Yield Mastermind. And obviously, you found us on this podcast. You can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, and we are hosted on SoundCloud. Thank you guys for joining us. We hope you learned something today, and we look forward to seeing you again on the next show.